This is realestateinvestingmastery.com. Hey everybody, Joe McCall here. Real quick before we go to the podcast, I have a quick announcement to give to you. Um, Recently, a lot of people have been contacting me, asking me for coaching or consulting. A lot of people want some help doing their first deal. Some people want help doing more deals. They've already done some and they just want their business to grow. Well, I've created a new website um, and I wanted to just throw it out at at you and, and, and take a look at it if you're interested. Uh, JoeMcCall.com, J-O-E-M-C-C-A-L-L.com. And I've created a new coaching program, and it's kind of unique. Um, basically, what I'm going to do is sit down with you and talk for 45 to 60 minutes, evaluate your business, where you are, where you want to be, and then I'm going to give you a plan for how to grow your business, do your first deal. And if you feel like I've wasted your time, I'm going to give you $1,000. It's kind of cool. So check it out, joemccall.com. If you're interested in some coaching, getting some help, I'd love to work with you. Now, let's go to the podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody. It's Alex Youngblood and Joe McCall back with another Real Estate Investing Mastery podcast. We're really looking forward to this one today. We've got uh, Chris Hake on the line. We're going to be bringing him in in a second. Uh, we're, we're so glad that you're here. We thank thankful for all the uh, great comments and feedback that you give us that just uh, motivates us to give you more good content and put it out there and uh, hope you can put it to use and, and start making money with it uh, right away. And, and, and that's our goal. And speaking of putting out great information, if you guys are looking for um, almost like a crash course in, in wholesaling and and learning how to automate processes and things like that, you can simply go to our page, realestateinvestingmastery.com, and pick you up our Fast Cash Survival Kit. And in that survival kit, we've got, like I said, I mean, from the nuts to bolts to wholesaling, I mean, it's a course that you could probably easily pay $97 for or more. Um, so it's there for you to grab. All you got to do is go to the realestateinvestingmastery.com. Put in your information there, and we'll send that right out to you. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback from it. So yeah, yeah. So how you doing, Joe? Good, Alex. Thanks, man. Go pick you up some of that because <laughs> uh, that course is uh, phenomenal. We have some really good videos on there that uh, talk about how we find our deals, how we sell our deals, how we do our marketing, how much marketing you should do, how we find, hire, and train our own virtual assistants. Ah, yes, the marketing spreadsheet by Joe McCall. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff, man, but uh, I'm doing good, Alex, starting to ramp up my wholesaling marketing. marketing hey, you for just deals. had a birthday, too, didn't you? Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, we took our uh, four kids and my wife to a place called Tahoe Joe's, and those of you wow. in California... Uh, know all about Tahoe Joe's. It's it, when we were in San Francisco. It was one of our favorite restaurants. It's just got huge portions, and the food is really, really good. And um, so they just built one in St. Louis, about 15 minutes from our house. It's the only one outside of California, and uh, it is so good. Even the kids, they got uh, you know the the kids meals. They got a little piece of steak, and I'm not kidding. That steak was so 
good. It was phenomenal. I thought, man, I, I, my kids shouldn't have steak this good. Are um, you are you a steak connoisseur? Oh man, I, I love me, I love me a good ribeye. Yeah, marbled well to perfection and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Okay, yep, yep, I yep. got gotcha. you. The more fat <laughs> on it, the better. You know, the more grisly. <laughs> but uh, that was fun, man. I had a really good birthday. You know, it was kind of chaotic with four little kids at this really nice restaurant. Yeah, and, that is uh, always kind of fun. Everybody <laughs> looks at you like, ah, why can't I just come and sit and have a normal dinner? All these guys, get kids got to bring their kids in here. I know, I've got three. Oh, man. But let me tell all you. All within one year of each other or less. I know, <laughs> I know. But, you know, I can just say this. We, we have a lot of leftovers because they didn't get to eat it. Oh, uh, man. But it was fun. Not a they, bad thing. No, we came home and they gave me some presents and, it was really cool. I love my family to death. Um, really, really blessed. And uh, you know, but on the on the real estate front, uh, I just met with my acquisitions manager this morning. He lives just like two houses away from me, and uh, we were talking about our next postcard campaign. We did a campaign two weeks ago, a week or two ago, for uh, multifamilies. We specifically targeted. Uh, two units to 40 or 50 units and I was surprised how many we could find believe it or not and uh, we have two solid potential deals one is a two family a duplex and one is a 10 family and uh, we have one of our buyers that's actually going to go look at it today and uh, and and tell us what uh, he thinks he could offer for it because when you're doing that 10 families and, and above generally maybe four families and above it's you know you can't just look at comps and get numbers on those things. You really need to kind of have a good network of buyers that are looking for commercial properties. Yeah, it's all about cash flow at that point, like cap rate and all that crazy stuff that most people don't even understand. <laughs> right. Well, I'm I'm not claiming to be an expert in that, but that's something that yeah, me neither. I mean, maybe Chris can even enlighten us a little bit on today because I know he's been involved with that in the past. But um, so cool, and then. Uh, we were talking about some new marketing strategies that I'll be sharing with you guys later that I'm real excited about. But uh, we're going to be bringing on some new uh, new guns uh, in, in our little St. Louis market here to do some marketing for us. And uh, I'm getting ready to hire a new personal assistant. I'm big on virtual assistants, you know, but I feel like it's time I get somebody, I get an office here in St. Louis. I'm still going to be working from home, but I want an office close by where I'm going to have an assistant work. And um, I put a job out in Craigslist, and I got like 30 applications I need to go through. Wow. Um, so I'm looking for somebody just to help me with the day-to-day admin stuff, you know? Yeah, that, that adds up so fast. I mean, I was going through my bills the other day, and I was paying. I was like, wow, the whole day's gone. And I just paid water bills and electric bills. <laughs> <laughs> and you were farting off in uh, on Facebook and uh, and. Uh, playing around with your kids all no and you've got eight properties to go through it takes a lot of time <laughs> i hear you well we got a cool guest on today um his name is chris hake and he's from madison wisconsin i met chris from a lot of you know i'm in a, a coaching mentoring mastermind program called life and air and it's really awesome one of our first couple three podcasts you really need to go back and listen to we interviewed a guy named steve cook and another guy named Sean McCloskey. And uh, these guys are uh, been on the top of their game for many, many years in real estate investing. And uh, it's, it's a great, great program. I've always recommended people to go look at it. 
and uh, consider signing up yourself through for that program. They have different levels. Uh, Chris and I are in the same level. It's called the Flip Vips, um, and we uh, it's a group of about twelve of us, and we meet about three times a year uh, in a different city, uh, just to mastermind and to kind of talk about each other's businesses and. Uh, all these guys are just um, really successful and have had their ups and their downs. And it's great to just kind of share life, to share business with these guys. And so our last retreat in New Orleans, I got to know Chris. He's new to the group. And I asked him if he would be willing to share with us some of his experience and uh, with this podcast. Chris, how are you, man? Uh, doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me today. How's the weather in Madison, Wisconsin right now? Well, it's interesting you ask. Um, two days ago, it was pouring rain and uh, almost 60 degrees. Oh, wow. And then yesterday, we had a blizzard and got a half foot of snow. <laughs> and today, it's supposed to be 9 degrees below zero normal without wind chill. That's wow. Pretty- <laughs> yeah, we live in Wisconsin. Come on and join us. Hey, Virginia, we had an 80-degree day yesterday. Wow. What is it like normally in the winter for you, Alex? Do you? No. The other day, last week, we had two inches of snow. Holy smokes. Yeah. (laughs) Well. Go ahead, Chris. No, you're all good. Keep going. Well, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your background, what were you uh, doing pre-real estate days? Well, pre-real estate, uh, my background was I came out of, you know, kind of a, a technical college uh, with a degree in um, surveying or real basic uh, civil engineering or an engineering tech, probably more so. And, and that was back in, you know, the 80s. Um, jumped into my first position as a surveyor, uh, land surveyor. And literally the first week of uh, my training, my boss had asked me, hey, would you be interested in computer drafting, CAD-type um, drafting on a computer? I said, sure, and uh, never surveyed <laughs> a day after that. Um, I got into the computer drafting and did that for about probably seven or eight years through different companies and, you know, kind of kept moving up the ladder and, and um, uh, you know, working my way through several different companies, and it was in about 1996 that I just found that, you know, I I wasn't able to get any higher in the company that I was at. I started making as much money as a new guy, as some of the guys who had 10 years experience, and, you know, my boss said, I can't pay you more than these guys, even though you're doing the work, and I said, well, how can I? And he said, you know what, go back to school and get a four-year degree as an engineer, and I said, not going to happen, and... Uh, at that point, uh, there was a midnight, um, I was watching TV, 19, uh, 1996, and Carlton Sheets came on. And um, we all know Carlton Sheets, or at least people who have been in the business a little while do. And um, he uh, was someone that I bought the midnight infomercial, you know, course. And I actually opened it, and I actually used it. And within 30 days, I bought a condo about two blocks from my house. And at that time, my wife was pregnant with our first baby. And um, that kind of started my investing career. I was still working jobs, but 
Um, I just wanted more, and, and that was what I was hearing, you know, was was hot. And this is in, you know, the late 90s, and things were real good in my area here in Madison, Wisconsin. And so I bought the condo, and we rehabbed it and rented it out, and thought, wow, you know, that stuff actually works. And uh, and then went out and put an offer in on a duplex and bought that and got renters in and bought another duplex and got renters in. And, and then I got kind of strapped with money, so I brought another partner in and we bought another duplex and then a four-unit and eight-unit and a ten-unit. And over the next uh, probably three years, um, I had about, uh, I want to say, 32 or 34 units um, in several of the local cities right around where I lived here in, in Madison. And I still had a full-time, actually, I had already left my full-time job and started my own company in 97. So in 97, I started a a technical recruiting or headhunting company uh, that I had been kind of doing previous to that with another person, uh, another business owner, I should say. I worked for him. And, you know, I was making all the money for the company, and he was uh, spending time in Palm Beach um, you know, once a month enjoying life <laughs> on my fruits. And so that changed real quickly um, when I told him, you know, need a little something more for me, and he didn't want to do that, and so I left, started my own company. And so at that time, I was actually in my own company, raising a family, um, you know, burning a candle, both ends, trying to make the, the new startup work. And at the same time, I was not only man- property managing, but also acquiring uh, more properties, and so it was a crazy time between 97 and 2001, and things were going great. And um, uh, about 2001, both of my partners that I had at that time wanted to, uh, they wanted to go a different direction. One was my dad, and the other was a buddy from college. And um, and I thought, you know what, that's fine. You know, I was kind of looking at maybe some other things, because at that time I was pretty active as a real estate investor. And... Um, I thought, no problem, let's start to look at that. Well, we all know what happened September 11, 2001. Um, my recruiting company that I had, I was, I was technical headhunter, if you will, for computer drafting and geographical information systems and computer folks all over the country. And the day after 2000, you know, 2001, after 9-11, uh, my company, I went from seven offices around the state of Wisconsin down to two in a matter of a couple weeks. I mean, my business shut off, and there was nobody was hiring anybody um, and paying recruiters to do it. And so my business went out of business, and that's actually when I was transitioning from partners with all these rentals. I was pretty much, my company was out of business, and my wife was pregnant now with Oh, no, we just had our second baby at that time. So I've got two young boys. I'm a business owner. My wife's a business owner. And it was an interesting time at the Hake family. Um, But what happened there after 9-11 is I jumped into real estate as a realtor because I already had the background and went to a local company here and and, uh, plugged in with their commercial group. And uh, as an investor, I just told the broker, I said, look, um, you know, my background is investment in real estate. I, I get it. I understand it. I've got a lot of them, and that's what my passion is. And I don't want to go sell houses. I'm not a, a residential realtor. And so he plugged me into that group. And um, that first year as a realtor, actually the first nine months, I think I sold about $8 million in investor property. 
because I understood how to buy rentals. I understood how to manage them because I was doing it all myself and I understood how to analyze them. And so I started teaching people now how to do that at the same time I was being, you know, I guess being a, a realtor, which I didn't really care for, but I did it because it was something I needed to do for my family. And so, you know, now we're moving into O three time frame and I um ended up selling my properties with my partners and we all kinda went our own separate ways and it's interesting now you look back at what happened in O two, O three and in our market because of Madison, we've got the capital of Wisconsin, and we've got the University of Wisconsin, and some of the other big businesses, our market just went soaring, and prices went crazy, interest rates went low, and I look back, and it, it looked like we were geniuses selling all our rental property in 2001, two, and three, because we got top dollar for them, and I wish I could say that <laughs> we had the crystal ball, but... It just timing actually worked out real well for us. And well, you uh, sold them. This, you sold them in '03, but didn't they go up even more in '05, '06? They they might have um, uh, because we did have another swing, but that initial swing, they went up. Um, they went up a lot, and we definitely capitalized on that with my partners and I. And again. It was nothing more than timing for us, and we hit the market at the right time. So it worked out well. Did you? I'm just curious. At the time, did you see that the market was at a, like a bubble, and you thought it was going to? It was just a matter of time before it popped, or what was your? Reasoning? You know, I didn't. I didn't as much. I mean, um, activity was so strong as a realtor working with clients who were buying investment property. Um, so at that time, again, it was oh one, oh two. Um, was probably when I, I'm looking back now, probably when we sold all our units over a two year period. And, um, we really did get, you know, a great dollar for it. And it did creep up a little bit more over the next couple of years. But then we know, I mean, it plummeted. Um, so at the end of the day, I mean, we got out not because of the market, we got out because of our partners, our partnership. Yeah. Um, but they actually coincided pretty well. So, um, so yeah, and at that time, um, now I didn't have any properties. I was working pretty active as a realtor, and um, I had an opportunity to get into a development project in '03, and that was a huge undertaking. And as timing was back then, um, it looked like the the next segue for me because there was a development project that was. Um, in the very, very beginning stage, there was over a 300-acre development on a huge lake up in Wisconsin, and maybe an hour from my house, and they were going to build this huge golf course and convention center, water park, all this great stuff. Because that in Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin Dells is the home of the indoor water park. And back then, it was flourishing in that market. And so this developer had all these you know, visions of building the same type of thing outside of the Dells, a very little bit um, short distance outside the Dells. And I got in on the very, very front side as a, as a realtor and investor and, um, you know, spent uh, the next probably three, four years doing that, building that development up as the uh, as a listing agent for the development for all the condos and single-family homes, but also as an investor myself, buying properties um, as an investment. And... 
I guess long story short, because we don't have enough time on this call, <laughs> um, let's just say that when the water valves shut off in the real estate market in 06, um, that development fell on its ears. And, um, you know, when you talk about the highs and lows, my highs were earlier in the 2000s. My lows came in, you know, that 05, 06, 07, uh, because I got caught in the middle of that and um, learned a lot of lessons, but nevertheless, I got caught in it with a lot of other people and not even just that development, but a lot of the people that I knew that were in construction or developers or investors, a lot of people got damaged in my market, and I think the same held true in, in a lot of the areas of the country. Um, but that was my next segue into, um, I guess, into my investment career and during that same time, I actually became an owner in a couple of Keller Williams um, real estate franchises here in Wisconsin. We opened one in 2003, and then I opened a second one in 2005, along with some other agent partners that I had in the Madison area. And um, so a lot of different things going on in, in those days. And, um, you know, once the, the crash of the 06 and 07 from that development project happened, um, then I kind of move into 2008, 2009, and, and getting into the distressed arena, short sales, REOs, um, rehabbing, fix and flipping, that type of stuff. And that's been primarily where my market model, my business has gone from about 2008 to present day. Um, it's fluctuated between, you know, short sales uh, and a lot of rehabbing, fix and flipping uh, properties. I never got into wholesaling, and the only reason was that, um, you know, it's interesting. I've looked for wholesalers in my market for a long time to buy from, and it's something that I still to this day, I don't know one wholesaler that I've ever met in Madison, Wisconsin, um, that can bring me deals that have enough meat on the bone for me to go out and make a deal happen and pay them, and I don't know... Why? Well, I shouldn't say I don't know why that is. Um, I think a lot of the reasons is Madison never fell off the cliff like a lot of, you know, Florida and Detroit and California and, and Arizona. Uh, we never had the sharp decline. We have our distress like every city and county and, and state, but we held a little bit more stable. And um, so I never got into the wholesaling arena, uh, something I, uh, I've still talked a lot about. And I still have people that tell me I'm their wholesalers and, I challenge them to bring me deals all the time, and um, I have yet to buy one wholesale deal from a wholesale investor yet in well, my market. Chris, let's talk about that for a little bit because, first sure. of all, I'm glad you're not a wholesaler because <laughs> we've we've uh, interviewed tons of wholesalers, and Alex and I are wholesalers. Um, yep. But uh, that's interesting. Now, I have a feeling that the reason why – you couldn't find a wholesaler to bring you deal was not because there weren't enough deals to find in Madison, mm -hmm. but the issues probably had to do more along the lines of there was not wholesalers there. Want to be wholesalers didn't know how to find the good deals because you were obviously finding them, right? Yep. So why couldn't these other wholesalers find them? What do you think the disconnect is? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Joe. And, you know, I think about myself and go, okay, if I would have taken every deal that I found, that I rehabbed, that I bought, and I fixed and I turned around and, and sold, all of those could have been wholesale deals. I could have wholesaled every one of those, saved all my time, 
and gone out and made a smaller dollar, but I could have been in and out quicker. And so I asked myself, well, why don't I do that? And one is I enjoy fixing up a property, and, and I go from the angle of taking properties that are in 98% of people won't buy because I do extensive rehabs, and I've got good people that have helped me do that. Um, but so the disconnect for the wholesale side, you know what? I don't know what it is. I, I really don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because there just hasn't been anyone, at least that I've come across, that has said, you know what, they've made that their business model and they're going to go out and be really good at it. Um, and maybe maybe they are, are out there and I don't know who they are. Um, but I, I know a lot of people in this area. I've been investing in this area for 16 years, 17 years. And, boy, I think I would have run across them by now. And, you know, now I run a RIA. And I ask the question all the time. I'm constantly looking for, you know, wholesalers. And literally 60 miles down the road in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, there's a ton of wholesalers. And there's a lot of guys I know that have, you know, good business models there in Milwaukee. But I don't know what it is, Joe. Maybe sometime you and I can have a download on that and and I can understand it better. But um, I don't don't know what the disconnect is 100%. Well, I, I bet you, though, even down in um, Milwaukee, uh, there's still very few. Well, Milwaukee's bigger than Madison, of course, right? Yes. But uh, I bet you there's still very few true wholesalers in Milwaukee. Right, and maybe proportionally the, the ones I know are because, you know, there's that many more properties in, in the price range. I mean, you can't come into Madison for the most part and and buy very many single family homes for under a hundred grand. I mean, you know, there was a point in time when yes, I mean, a lot of the rehabs I bought were twenty five grand or thirty grand or forty or fifty grand, but I mean they were they required eighty thousand dollars of rehab. Um, you know, very extensive rehab. So you're just not finding our market um doesn't have a lot of the twenty, twenty five, thirty thousand dollar properties that you can put five grand into and rent or wholesale out and make, you know, three, four grand. Milwaukee's got a lot of those because they have, their market is just different than ours. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so what, you know, if you were to, if a, if a young real estate investor, want to be a real estate investor, were to come to you and say, hey, Chris, get me started. What do I do? And you were to go let him loose on finding deals for you in your market, in Madison, what would you teach him to do? Well, I think the, I think the first thing is, you know, I, I, I've been to a lot of, tra- I've been to a ton of training over my career. And now I am a coach myself and I've been teaching people, you know, different strategies in real estate for 10 years. Um, and then the one thing that I know for me, you know, from a teaching standpoint is, I, I hear a lot of times, you know, if you want to get into real estate, learn how to wholesale and then take the money you got from wholesaling and become a rehabber because now you can kind of fund that. And I look at it differently, and, and I'd love to have this debate with, with others who are investors, and, and you guys might be perfect. I believe that if I teach people to be a really good rehabber and go out and, and they can analyze a property, they can look at how, you know, what needs to be done in repairs, they get in there and do all that work, 
then they've got the ability to not only continue being a really good rehabber, but now the wholesale world is wide open to them if they choose to do that because now they understand what they have to do to analyze and get the information together to be able to present it to someone like me who would buy a wholesale deal and pay the fee for that. Because I, what I see right now is the wholesalers in this market who call themselves wholesalers um, and, and wherever they got their training from, it doesn't matter, you know, I'm finding that they're not doing the things necessary to show me that there's the value, the ARV, the repairs, the, the justification. You know, I'm getting people bringing me, you know, something in two lines on an email saying, hey, I got a wholesale deal here, check it out. Well, okay, if I do all the work, I'm not paying you a fee for it. Um, and I've got one guy who puts together a wholesale package presentation every time he's got something um, who is by far head and shoulders above anyone else who I've come across um, from that point that has all their ducks in a row. That I know when I look at that, I can spend five minutes and realize if that is a worthy wholesale or not, because he's got all the information, he's put time into it, and he's actually prepared it in such a way that he's done a great, great job. And if he finds deals, I will buy from him. And we've got close on a couple. And so what I would teach people to do, to answer your question, is I would teach them, because it's what I am doing the most of right now and very comfortable with, is is to go out and to be very good financial detective. And that is from the standpoint of understanding the ARVs and our market valuation, and also from the, the rehab repairs side, um, because those are two huge elements in knowing if A, a rehabber has a deal, but B, if there's enough room in there for a wholesale dollar to be taken out so that a wholesaler could benefit and a rehabber could benefit by doing the work. Um, so that's the thing I, I like to teach. That's what I teach my students um, with our, through our RIA. We have uh, rehab you know, boot camps. I do a bus tour. Well, I'll, I'll actually take people out and teach them, you know, here's what a totally done property looks like. Here's what a property looks like. That stinky, smelly, brand new, I just got an accepted offer and we're not closing for three weeks. You know, here's what, you know, I would do on the property. But my question is, you guys tell me what you would do and then let's talk about it. And then so give people front, you know, front firsthand knowledge and experience in seeing and feeling and hearing and smelling all the senses out in the field because there's no substitute for that. You can't be effective in this business sitting behind a desk and a computer without getting into the field. That's so key, Chris. Um, That's so key because if anybody's living in Madison, what I would do if I were you is I would sign up for that bus tour and go see these rehab properties and see what Chris is looking for. You know he's a buyer and he wants to buy deals, right? And there's a lot of other people like him. Find out what he wants and get it to him. You you can see it firsthand right there. Well, That's a brilliant idea. And And yeah. the other thing is too, like he's talking about, you know, different markets have different uh, 
you know, ways that uh, things work. Um, I mean, that's true in even within within inside the market. I mean, some areas lend themselves more to wholesale deals and some lend them to uh, rehabs. Um, you know, some of the nicer areas, it's harder to get those deeper discounts with the, you know, with the way the competition is and stuff like that. And if you're in a position where you can rehab, you know, you'd be just passing up on deals that you that were deals, but you just couldn't get cheap enough for a wholesale. So you're passing up money there. So it's good to put that rehabber hat on sometime or at least partner with one. You know, if you can't wholesale one, maybe um, and you're happy with one or two thousand dollars. I mean, that's great. Or you could just try to partner with them as well. You know, and, that's, right. and I, that would work with Chris, I'm sure. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, you know, to, to add to your, what you just said, Alex, regard to the market, Madison, right now, the REO market and being on the MLS is tough. I mean, that that's a very competitive, you know, arena right now. And, you know, the first thing that I teach my students and keep them accountable on is if you're in the rest of, if you're in the, the pen with the rest of all the investors who are shopping online on the mm. MLS with the, with their respective realtors, the odds of you striking a deal and getting one that's not being competitive and, and bid up by 10 other investors on a given day, your, your odds of getting something, a really good deal, are, are really getting very thin in our market. It's not impossible. You have to write a lot of offers, but, you know, I, people are getting them. Where I'm seeing some of the deals coming right now in my market is um, the sheriff's auction. I'm seeing some, I know some investors that go there um, regularly, and there's one gentleman who, you know, was a student of mine when uh, a few years back, and he's someone that, you know, I keep in touch with a lot. And we just got the phone today about a, a deal at the sheriff's auction that we're pulling together, and I'm asking him to, to help me understand that a little better because that's another arena. Um, there's definitely some some things there that you know the average investor beginner definitely needs to understand before they ever try to do that. Um, so I'm I'm getting some help and guidance from him, um, but I'm seeing some opportunities there, as well as you know certainly our own marketing. I mean, if you're not out there with bandit signs, with um, you know the yellow letter campaigns or postcards, and getting flyers or business cards out to local businesses or Craigslist or you know, whatever it is, if you're not doing those, um, you're you're shooting yourself in the foot, and you're going to be lucky to get a couple deals a year. Um, the serious investors have to go out and they have to find the market, and they have to be proactive. And the only way that happens is to have a marketing plan, be consistent for six months minimum, and and go at it and build that pipeline, plant the seeds and go out and find deals that there is no competition. You are the guy. And that's what I teach my students. And, and when I work with them, it's, it's critical. And, and they're seeing it. I mean, we're having a lot of activity um, right now. And even those, the deals are tighter. But they're seeing opportunity. And, and um, you know, I think in our market, you have to do that right now. And I'm guessing your markets, guys, are probably a lot the same. For sure. Chris, you you mentioned before, um, you know, if a wholesaler sends you an email with just a couple lines, and and you know you have to do all the work, then can you expand on that a little bit. Um, I mean, if a, if if a wholesaler sends you a deal, and the numbers are good, does it matter, you know, how much information right. and you if puts he has it email? under contract? If he's got a contract on it, he's done the hard part. 
Well, yeah, and and most of these do not. They just, hey, I've got this, and I'm I'm working on it, or I'm thinking of going after it, or what do you think about the numbers? And uh, that's a at bird that point, dog, yeah. Well, well, yeah, I've got nothing. Um, oh, I agree, 100%. Alex, if someone comes to me and says, "Hey, I've got a contract locked up. I'm gonna this property is supposed to close in 30 days or whatever the time frame is," and you know, I'm bringing it to you. Here's the number I need to get. Are you interested? Great, we've got a totally different ball game. I will spend, you know, ten minutes, and I'll jump on a couple of my different sites that I can from my desk, and I'll get an overview. Unless I know right where it is, then I may already know the market because of other rehabs I've done. But if not, I'll take that five, ten, fifteen minutes, do a little quick online searching, and get a feel for it. And then if it looks good, I'll be out there walking through it. Chris, can you list, you know, what do you want to see from a wholesaler? When you're looking at a potential deal, what are some of the things you like them to bring to you? Well, like the one gentleman I mentioned, he's in my rehab, and uh, he's a realtor as well as an investor. And every time he brings me a deal, he actually has, I mean, he's got either the property under contract or he's really close with an agent, um, you know, in the bidding standpoint. And he'll send me uh, comps, active comps, sold comps. He'll send me pictures of the before of, of the property because he's already been through it. He will um, send me a repair estimate of what he went through and said what he would do to it or could do to it or I would do to it. Um, and then he would give me that broken down. And then he would have a little write-up of almost a kind of a cost analysis of, of the numbers as he sees it, you know, kind of a, a fee um, the, the after repair value, all the other important numbers to validate the the property as is and after repair value, and and send that to me in a PDF. It's usually, I think it's usually about eight to ten pages, um, and it's great. I can look at that, and in literally five minutes, I mean, I can tell. You know what? Yeah, this is. Let's go out because I your numbers are. They seem to be right on, um, and that's there's only one guy who does that. That I've that's it's almost like he's way to the right of what he does, and everyone else kind of comes in way to the left. <laughs> I don't have anything in between, um, and so my expectation is if someone's got uh, a deal that they want to bring to me and they want to get paid for it, and again, this is coming from a guy who's not a wholesaler. I I couldn't teach a wholesale S. I understand it, and I can certainly go do it myself because I know what to do because I am a rehabber. But, you know, from my standpoint, the wholesaler, if you're doing that basic information to put together and laying it in front of me, you've basically given me the, the all the information for me to make my final verdict to go, yeah, let's go forward, or, you know, no, is your ARV is off, you know, 20 grand. It's, that's enough to kill the deal. Um, so that's, that's what I look for. Um, I don't know if Joe or Alex asked that question, but that's what I'm, I'm looking for. And, and maybe I'm spoiled with this one guy. Um, maybe that's not realistic that everyone would do that, but that's, you know, in my market, what I've been seeing, um, sitting at my desk and working with the, you know, different investors or wholesalers that are out there. No, there is definitely an advantage to working with one particular wholesaler. Uh, when I first started, that's, kind of what I did. I just worked with one individual guy 
Um, and he kind of helped, you know, I was out there making offers and, and marketing and all that stuff. And, um, and he kind of just let me know what he was looking for. And it was just kind of my job to fulfill it, you know? So, mm -hmm. so that worked, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing opportunities that, you know, folks are bringing to the table. And I think the biggest thing for a wholesaler, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, is, you know, obviously for a wholesaler, you don't need money. I mean, you don't really need any experience. You just need to have the willingness and the take action attitude to go out and find them, turn over rocks, and then bring them to someone who's got money, who's got the construction crew, who's got the, you know, the resources to actually, you know, buy it and pull it off and rehab it and then do whatever they do with it. Right. So, one of the, Chris, one of the things I was thinking about as you're going through that, um, you know, that's eight to ten pages of PDF. That could be a little intimidating to somebody just getting started who wants to wholesale deals to somebody like you. But, sure. you know, definitely you could put together a list of things like comps, you know, look at the active comps, look at the sold comps. Because I see wholesalers present properties to me that uh, there's a house a half mile away that's similar, that's already actively listed for $10,000 less. And I got to ask the guy, well, why would I want to buy yours for 10 more than what I can get over here? But, um, right. so it's important to look at the actives, but, um, and I understand the, the picks, the pictures and maybe a quick cost analysis, but what about somebody who doesn't maybe understand yet repairs? Are there some rule of thumbs that you use general rule of thumbs, uh, for estimating repairs, like a dollar per square foot, if it's a full gut rehab, things like that. Oh boy. Um, that's a, that's a great question, and it's something I know that came up um, with a couple people I talked to a few weeks ago because they were asking, well, you know, what's, what kind of averages or ballparks do you have? And, you know, it's funny because I, I could go through a lot of different properties, and, and a number that seems to pop up a lot, you know, for an average house, let's say, uh, you know, 1,500, 1,700, maybe 2,000 square feet, right in that range, um, it seems like a lot of properties – fall into that $40,000, $45,000 rehab. I don't know why. Um, obviously, if it's a full-blown, you know, a gut, um, you know, then I seem to always come up with a number around $40 to $45 a square foot for a total gut, I mean, top to bottom. It just seems to work out to that number. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know why, if that's necessarily a formula. But if I'm looking at, you know, a, a 2,000-square-foot home, uh, it's, I'm, I'm putting 80 to 90 grand in on a full blown gut, uh, when I've done those in the past and, um, you know, on something that would be, Hey, you know, the carpet is, yeah, the flooring needs to be done and it needs to be painted and kitchen needs to be, you know, completely redone cabinets and whatever, but the drywall is good and the structure is good and, you know, basic, it seems that, you know, a $40,000 number, and I don't know why it's weird how that works out so many times because I've looked at a lot of that I analyze and different tours we go on and it just seems that it comes out in that number. And so if I had to use a rule of thumb, I might throw that number out there because I'm not finding properties right now, not very many um, that are, you know, the lipstick on a pig, you know, people call it, um, where you just, you go in and uh, throw some paint up and, you know, change the carpet and, Four thousand dollars later, you're it's back on the market. You know, I, I'm not seeing very many of those today. I think those got swallowed up um, a lot 
in the um, the 08, nine days here. Um, and so now the stuff we're seeing in the market that's sitting is, is really a lot more work. So for a new wholesaler, you know, what would I have them um, do as far as estimating that? Boy, that's that's a tough one um, because I haven't, I guess I haven't had that conversation. I know what my averages are uh, when I seem to look at a property. Um you know, I'd have to think more about that, and maybe it's something I do need to put a value on or a formula of sorts together um, to be able to answer that question better. Yeah, I understand. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your rehab process and what kind of level do you typically take your rehabs to? Do you uh, you putting granite countertops in and stainless steel and really nice wood floors, or how do you do your rehabs? And then can you talk a little bit about the, the process of how you do those rehabs. Right. Well, my process is, is pretty, um, pretty standard for what I've done. I mean, I'm, I always put in stainless and I always put in all the appliances. I know some people don't put a fridge in. I've always put in all the appliances. I always put in granite. I always put in solid three quarter inch or half inch wood floor, depending on what deal I can get from my local suppliers. I, you know, at times we'll buy a pallet at a time of, of, of pre-finished hardwood um, that'll probably do three houses. And I'll do the same with ceramic tile. I'll buy a pallet of it. And, and so I always use ceramic tile. I always use granite. I always use wood, solid wood. And then I use kind of a, um, uh, I can't think of the name of the carpet. It's a little bit more of a plush carpet, um, but I get a really good deal on it. And I've been using the same thing in every house. And so between the carpet, ceramic, and hardwood, uh, that's always my flooring. I can't think of one time I've ever put laminate. Um, no, I have put laminate countertop in once, and uh, but I've never put linoleum flooring in. Um, so if that's my flooring side. Um, from a standpoint of of my color choices, you know, I always do white. I'm always I do white trim. I do um, white ceilings and a kind of a sandy uh, dollar brown walls. And and then the bathrooms are the bathrooms. They would be um, typically a, a white with um, ceramic tile showers or, or bathtubs. I always put a ceramic um, tile around there because we've gotten it down to a really low cost. And people, it's one of those wow factors. I, I've always got a couple wow factors that I I will not detract from, and granite's one of them. I've been able to get pricing down where it just makes sense to do granite, and it's always a wow factor. Wood floors, always having solid wood instead of pergo or, uh, you know, um, what's the other? There's another kind of an engineered type wood, um, but that's why I like using hardwoods and the bathroom the showers and the bathtubs, I always put ceramic tile around them. And it's just, it's one of those little things that doesn't cost me much. And it's a wow factor because people always comment on it. They always ask, um, you know, why I did it or that they're happy that I did do it because it was different from what they'd seen in any other house. Um, and I think the same goes with stainless. For the price you can get stainless, it doesn't make sense not to do it. Um, and... Um, then from a standpoint of, of the actual process, I've a lot of people that I know I've been to teachings and I have people that um, 
you know, courses I've been to and ones that I've taught myself, there's a two sides, either being a general contractor or having a general contractor. And I was fortunate to have a general contractor as, um, you know, an alliance for with me, uh, kind of as a partner, that I was able to work with him. He very much understood uh, what kind of look we were looking for. Um, he was very good with his network of subcontractors and uh, different locations he could buy product from. And so we had a good relationship and still do to this day. But he's done a lot of that for me as far as managing a lot of the on-site activities. And, um, you know, once you work with someone long enough, I mean, they start to know the things that you expect in, in a property. And so that has worked out very well for me because it, it kind of leverages my time a little bit. It may cost me a little more, but at the end of the day, that's a choice any investor has to make is, you know, what's the time value of your, or the, the, the from a dollar standpoint, what's the value of your time? And I found that if I was spending more time looking for deals or coaching students or, or doing anything on that side, I had more time to do that if I wasn't, you know, spending um, every day for an hour or more at a job site um, working on a project. And it was just a decision that I made. It's worked pretty well for me. And um, I'm trying to think um, of other key things that we do in our properties that um, I think usually have a, a big impact. I mean, in our area, Wisconsin, having a garage is a, is a big one. Um, I did one project where I did not have a garage because it wouldn't physically sit on the lot, and I tried to get variances, and that cost me. Um, it cost me, in the end, a valuable learning experience, but it also, you know, cost me time, energy, and effort and money uh, because I just couldn't physically get a garage in there. And in Wisconsin, frankly, people want a garage. It gets cold here in the winter. And um, Go so that's something. Yeah. So that's definitely, um, you know, another area that I think was, was real big on, on the side, on our side, as far as, as what we do. Um, did I answer your question or yeah. was there, are you how looking you, for more detail? How do you typically price your homes? Are you looking to be the nicest home for the cheapest price? How do you price your homes to sell quickly? Yeah, what I do is my my mantra is I'm going to look at what my competition is within about a half mile to a mile radius, and I want to know what those properties are priced at. My property will get priced at whatever the people that are already looking in my one-mile radius for homes or two miles or whatever it is, depending on the area, whatever they're already looking at, when they see mine, they're going to want to write an offer. That, that's my goal. Now, do we hit that nail on the head every time? No, we don't because, you know, it's not a crystal ball. But I'm not pricing mine at the highest in the market. I'm definitely not the greed factor. Um, my goal is to get in and get out as quick as possible. And, um, you know, I, I look at mine as the perfect condition buyer. That's the person I'm marketing to. My properties, when people come in, they're not – I'm – they're not looking for what's good or right in a property. I'm challenging them to look for what's wrong. And very seldom they're finding things because I don't do 
halfway rehabs. I never have, and I don't know that I ever will. Um, I take a sense of pride in it, and sometimes maybe too much, especially in the beginning, but not so much now. But I, when I, when people walk into my properties, darn near everything is new. Um, you know, new paint and new floors and new trim, or at least you know, trim that's looking good or clean. It's clean. I mean, clean and bright and open. That's the other thing. That's a very, very first thing that excites me on any property that I ever walk into. And I love 1950s, 60s, 70s homes because they're perfect. They were built very compartmentalized, very boxy. You know, go to one room, go to the other room, little hallways. I love taking a kitchen and a fan room and an entryway and blasting out a wall, putting in a breakfast bar or something to that effect where I can bring in the light from the front of the house and the back of the house with the windows, and it's very open. I love doing that because I think that is the greatest value add for any property because now what I've done is I've created something in a neighborhood that people really like, but not with, you know, the style of the the normal 50s, 60s, 70s age house. I'm doing it with what people today are looking for. They want that open flow. They want clean. Everything is very neutral colors, and that's been working really, really well in my market. Do you stage your homes, Chris, when you sell them? That's a great question, and it's only because I've never staged a home until recently, about uh, three weeks ago. Wow. I staged my first house, um, and I've, the first probably, I don't know, 15 properties that I rehabbed, never staged any of them, and I sold them with the exception of the one without the garage. And another one that was just a, a, took a long time for a lot of other reasons. I sold them all literally in less than 30 days. Some of them, one of them, my quickest was one hour and several of them in a couple of days with multiple offers. And I never staged one of them. And our markets changed a little bit. At least I see that. And so I did an experiment because of my local RIA. I've got a, a gal who uh, has her own staging company and she's also an investor and a realtor. And I've been working with her, and I'm trying to not only help promote her, but I, she does a really good job. And she staged my last house that I just finished, I don't know, a few months ago, right right before the holidays, which didn't really serve me too well <laughs> between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, but I got it out of the market, and then I staged it in um, early January. And I have to say, the job she did with staging on that house, it's a small house, but it looks awesome. And... I've got a lot of traffic. I've got people. I've got, and I'm you know, expecting an offer today on it um, to hopefully get that done. And I think I may be thinking differently in my next project. Yeah. So, so yeah, I I've always been kind of in between there, only because I hear people like, oh, we stage all the time, and they make it part of their cost. And I've had luck without doing it. I shouldn't say luck. I've just I've priced them right. I've had a good clean new finished home that people wanted and I sold them quick. And so I, I figured, you know, why spend another thousand bucks or 1500 or whatever it was to put staging in there when I've had such good luck selling them. But I may be thinking differently going forward here in the next year and, and maybe utilizing the staging and see what happens over the next uh, 12 months. 
Let's talk about how you fund your rehabs. Do you go out and get lenders to partner with you on these deals? Are you using your own mm-hmm. cash? Do you partner with some banks? What are you, what are you doing on that front? Sure. Um, to this day, of uh, every rehab I've ever done, I've never put a nickel in. Um, I've used private investors for everything, and that has worked out really well. And um, my investors, uh, for, for their side of it, worked out really well. And these are all people that I have either known for years, I've been in business with, um, I know in the community, whatever. They're just business owners or other investors that I've known. And we have, you know, at least a general relationship, if not a good relationship. And so that's worked out really well. And boy, I can't encourage people enough uh, to, to go out and and understand and learn how to raise private money and to find private money lenders because, I mean, we <clears throat> talk about that with our students. Uh, at our RIA, we just had a gentleman come in uh, a few weeks ago and, and actually do a private money workshop <clears throat> with my RIA. And, and we had a lot of people, you know, plug into that. And actually, I'm meeting with about, I don't know, 10 or 12 of those RIA members today that all plugged into this private money uh, course to talk about how they're, how they're doing. I mean, are they going out? Are they, you know, finding sources to help them? Because I find without private money, most people are waiting for the day that, I don't know, they win, win the lottery or, or money magically appears and they won't write offers because they're, they don't, they don't understand that if they really have a good deal, the money's there. It's all over the place. But the problem is their fear and un, and their knowledge or lack of knowledge of, of funding a, a good deal, a, a good investment deal, um, is just not there yet. And that takes, you know, sometime a little time and understanding and working with people who have been there. And so I use private investors. I've probably got three or four that I use regularly. I've got one that I is my primary. And I've ever since this guy came to town two weeks ago, it kind of got me spurred on a little bit more, and I've actually talked to two or three additional people, and looks like I've got the opportunity to plug into another half million or more uh, that I can go out and go do deals right now. So private money is critical, and with the way the market is and interest rates that you know, people with money in the bank, if they've got cash or lines of credit, they're just not getting anything on their money, and... Um, you know, I think there's some really good opportunities to marry what can be done in investing from rehab side with uh, private money lenders, and both parties can and truly win. What what percentage on the money are you paying roughly? Um, I have I when I first did my first deal, I when I had my first private money guy, I actually paid him like thirty. Five percent or thirty-three percent of the oh, deal wow. because, well, and at that time, you know, I I didn't have the funds. Um, I had a guy that I was working with who could do all the work. I knew the market, I knew the numbers, I knew what needed to be done, but I didn't have the funds, and it happened really quick. And I knew that if I could get this guy plugged in, that we could do more deals. And I thought, you know what, I want to learn the process because I've really up to that point, I had done other rehabs and fix and flips, you know, ever since 98, but I always did them 
personally, I always did, you know, very small and it was a lot easier. It wasn't, I didn't make a business practice out of it. And at this point, I knew I was going to make a business out of it. I was going to go buy properties, fix them up and sell them. And so I thought, you know what, I got to get the ball rolling. And so I paid this guy way more. I look back on it now and go, wow, you know, I would never do that again. Um, but sometimes, you know, you need to learn. And it worked out. I made money. He made money. And it, it was a great experience. And we moved on down the road. And then from there, I went down to 18%, 15%, 12%, 10%, 8%. And so I cascaded that all the way down. And I pay anywhere from 8 to 10% right now. No points. And, and that's it. It's annualized. I don't pay monthly interest. I pay, you know, um, the, the funds are utilized for the purchase uh, and the rehab repairs and, you know, plug that in through, um, you know, our closing or through the title company. And um, and then we go through the project, make the necessary repairs, and then when the property finally sells, the investor gets paid all their interest and their principal back at the very end. That's how I've been structuring um, you know, the, the primary bulk of, of my deals and going forward, I, I don't know that I would change that much because I don't, I don't have to. Chris, how do you, how would you teach somebody just real briefly to start going out and looking for private lenders? What are some of the things you tell, you encourage your students to do at the Rio? Well, what I would, yeah, the first thing that I would do is, is tell them to start with friends, family, and associates, people that know you and you know them. Um, you know, you, you want to have people that already know who you are. They know what kind of character and integrity, honesty that you have as a person. And that is, you know, something that you can't get day one from a brand new person. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean you can't find other private lenders that you don't know. But to get off the ground and to get your feet under you and get, you know, some experience and history, find someone who you can... Um, go out to and say, hey, you know, I'm I'm working with these other investors. I've got a coach or a mentor. You know, I tell my students that all the time. You know, third-party me. I am your partner. I am part of your team, and I am. And I tell them, hey, if you've got opportunities to, to get private money with people that want to, you know, fund a deal, great. We can go, you know, talk to them, you know, and, and do it in such a way that it's as if, you're already, you have to have that mindset. Everything you're doing is as if you're already doing it. You have to have the belief, and the numbers don't lie. I mean, we can show people good numbers. We're buying at 65 to 70% of ARV, and here's the repairs, and here's all the comps, and, and that's your validation um, from a number standpoint. But you've got to start with people that, that you know, that um, you have some relationship with. At least that's my opinion. Um, I think that's the easiest place to start. And um, from a comfort level standpoint, uh, it's probably going to be the most effective for most people. Uh, and that's, that's what I'd recommend. And, and that's what will be my conversation with uh, the REA members tonight that we're having a private money workshop um, or, or mastermind or whatever you want to call it tonight at 6 o'clock. And, and I'll say that very same thing. You know, if you guys haven't done anything yet, why? And here's where you need to start you know, the path of least resistance. Yeah, that's good. Well, um, I think we're wrapping up here. It's been really, really good, helpful information. Um, 
One of the things I like to ask people, Chris, is for a new beginner that's wanting to get involved yep. in the business, um, yep. what what's some of the advice that you would give to somebody new? And uh, kind of try to relate it to like if you were going to be dropped into a new city and uh, you had to start from scratch, you didn't know anybody, what were some of the things that you would do? What are some of the things you would tell a new student to do just getting started and they want to do their first deal, whether it be you know rehabbing or wholesaling or whatever it is? Right. Um, and, and this could take a while. How much time do I have so I can gauge it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, just just brief summary. You're absolutely right. It could take a long time to explain that, but I don't know, a couple minutes. Okay. Okay, I'll give you a brief. Um, when I think about that, um, local RIA, or wherever you are in the country, Go find a local RIA because you got to get around the doers. you got to get around people that are not only doing it, but also talking about it and educating others on it. So I think that's the first thing you have to do if you're dropped in a new city. Um, secondly, as part of that, I think you need to start to understand a little bit about the market. And you'll get part of that from the RIA, but also I think you need to right away plug into your local realtors. You need to find... Um, you know, who is out there uh, doing deals, who's been in the market a while, and have lunch with them or go meet with them and, and talk to them about uh, the market. Hey, you know, new in town, I, you got to have alliances with realtors. Um, I think they're a critical part because dropped in a new city, the person is most likely not going to have access to the MLS, and that is going to be critical to helping with valuation. So get that realtor partner right away. And and then, as you start to talk and interview those realtors, the, the main question I would want to find out is, you know, if you were an investor, Mr. Realtor, where would you buy, what markets are hot, and why? And I would try to quiz them and to understand better where the areas are that I want to stay away from and where that I, where I want to spend time in. And so once I do that due diligence between the realtors and the RIA, um, I would, you know, start going out into those markets and, and getting the word out, um, you know, from any of the methods. I mean, you can start driving for dollars and sending yellow letters to vacant or, you know, properties that look distressed, um, you know, bandit signs, flyers in local coffee shops and hardware stores and, and businesses, um, you know, Craigslist. You know, that, and that's really quick, but those are the things that if I left tomorrow and moved to Columbus, Ohio, you know, I would, I would start doing those things along with probably another five or ten things that I think would be important. And I know, I know we don't have time for that, but those would be my first couple, Joe, that I, I would tell anybody. That's good. Alex, do you have any final questions for, um, for our buddy Chris? No, I mean that's uh, that's definitely uh, sounds like uh, somebody who's p- playing the real game. You know, not a lot of people um, know those small little details like that about fixing. You know, putting ch- you know tile in and and understanding staging and understanding all those little things that go into rehabbing. Um, you know, that's that's definitely from somebody that's super experienced. And um, I, I I was grateful for all the information he shared today. So. That was good. No, it's been a, been a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate um, both you guys inviting me, and always love doing that stuff. And um, you know, look forward to uh, a great 2013 for not only you know the people here in my city and 
my Rhea, but, uh, you know, you guys and, and all your students and, and uh, listeners as well. Luke, what is the, I mean, sorry, Luke. <laughs> Chris, what is the, uh, what is the future hold for you? What do you, what do you plan on doing the next couple, three years? Um, you know what? I, I am um, kind of setting myself up to, to actively lend more money. Um, and when I say that, I've, I've got a couple people that, uh, that I've partnered with that, um, you know, have resources and I'm finding a lot of investors who haven't gone out and found private money. They're kind of frozen because they're, they're not in their mind. They're not ready to go out and write offers or do deals because they don't feel the money's in place. And so we've been doing a little bit of that, a little hard money lending and some other private money joint venturing which has been, we've probably done three, four deals in the last, you know, four months, five months here. And I, in my business plan, I want to do, you know, another eight or 10 of those this year uh, because I think there's a great opportunity for it um, on, on both sides of the fence, as well as continuing the, the rehab in my own business, as well as helping my students. That's, that's really my biggest passion right now is I want so badly for the students that I'm working with and, and helping uh, to get them over that hurdle, that very first deal, because I know the mind shift and the belief that they will have when they get that first deal on the table, their whole, their whole mind will change and it's hard for them to see it. And I keep telling it to them and I, I know they're working hard at it and, um, I'm excited for that day for them because I know it'll launch them. And that's the same for anybody. Um, I can't recommend enough having, finding a coach or finding a mentor. Uh, like, you know, I know you guys are as well in your market and, and I am here too for, for other investors. And, you know, people think, well, yeah, you know, it costs money and all this other stuff. And, you know, that's, that's so short, um, short thinking closed-minded thinking. I mean, what I tell people is find a mentor and pay the price. It's an investment. I mean, you and I have um, coaching um, mentors as well. I've had mentors for, oh my gosh, my whole life. And, you know, we need that because I'm always growing. I'm never going to stop growing, but we're all at different stages. So, um, yeah, I I think this next year is going to be fantastic. Uh, I think the real estate market for the next few years, there's just great opportunity. And, um, and I wish everyone the best success. And, boy, if I can ever help anybody, um, I'm open. And, you know, people can plug into me through my REA at um, www.madisonreia.com. It's my local REA here in Madison, Wisconsin, and has my information and, and contact in there. And if people ever wanted to, you know, plug into that or contact me, they certainly could. And, um, yeah. It's been a privilege um, speaking with you guys today. Uh, enjoy it, and yeah, really do appreciate else? it, man. Really do. Yeah, we appreciate it, Chris. You've been. Uh, you, I'm, I'm looking back. It's already been an hour. <laughs> you, oh my gosh! Yeah, you okay. you packed a ton of really good information in there. Absolutely. And, uh, I have one more remaining question. I know a lot of people are thinking about rehabs now. Do you have any yep. recommended courses? that you've been through that you are no, that you know of that might be a good for somebody to look at uh, in regards to um, uh, rehabbing? Well, I'm kind of partial to uh, the Steve Cook, uh, you know, flipping for or rehabbing, flipping for big profits. Uh, he's my personal mentor and coach, and 
probably one of the, the, the gurus and godfathers of, of wholesaling and rehabbing, you know, for the last you know, 15 years. So, um, you know, that's the course that I model everything that I do and work with my students on. And so I guess I can't say enough about that course and the information in there. And, um, you know, that would be my, my first recommendation. Good, good. All right. Well, cool. Um, I got to get going. I got to, uh, <laughs> I got another call here in just a minute. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you, Alex. Guys, if you want more information on Chris, you can go to www.madisonria.com. How do you spell Madison? Is it M-A-D-I-S-O-N. Uh, ah, you got to be smart. MadisonREIA.com. <laughs> you got to be smart to figure that out. And um, come on, you don't remember? You don't remember my Badgers are just in the Rose Bowl? They got beat, but they were there. <laughs> yeah, go go Badgers! Uh, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but I thought there was two S's in there. I mean, I guess I'm wrong. But um, no, nope, Madison, just one. Cool, cool. Hey, thanks again, Chris. And uh, hey, everybody, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Get your free fast cash survival kit. You'll be glad you did. If you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. And uh, we'll see you guys on the uh, next show. Thanks a lot. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye.